Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Black and Abdallah, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. It's Blanket Abdallah here on ESPN Chicago. Take us anywhere with you, the ESPN Chicago app. Wherever you go, take us there. In your pocket or on your computer, whatever. We're there with you. You can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Also watch us on YouTube Live. Go to our YouTube page, ESPN Chicago. Click on subscribe. And watch us live there as well. It's just me tonight, Adam Abdallah. Chris Bleck has the night off. We'll start with the news of the day is that the Bears are going to interview Cliff Kingsbury for their open offensive coordinator job. This would be the ninth potential offensive coordinator that they will interview. It started with Shane Waldron. Then we heard, not necessarily in this order, Shane Waldron was the first one, but after that, Greg Roman, Greg Olson, not that Greg Olson, the one from Seattle, the quarterback coach, Thomas Brown, the Panthers offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, the 49ers passing game coordinator, Zach Robinson, the Rams passing game coordinator, Marcus Brady, the Eagles senior offensive assistant, Liam Cohen, the Kentucky, Kentucky offensive coordinator, the only one from college, like strictly college, Cliff Kingsbury was at USC this year, obviously, but he was also the coach of the Panthers or the the Cardinals. Sorry, excuse me, the Cardinals for four seasons from 2019 to 2022. Last year, Caleb Williams, who he was the coach of, the quarterbacks coach, threw for 3,600 yards, 30 touchdowns, rushed for 11 touchdowns in his final season at USC before declaring for the draft. And I, 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 I don't necessarily know if I like the route that they're going with Cliff Kingsbury. I think that he's very uh, good in the beginning, and then he tends to flame out. I mean, look at exactly what he did with the Cardinals when he was there, USC. I, extenuating circumstances around Caleb Williams. I mean, we can go into you know the receiver core that he had, the offensive line that he had, the defense he had, all that kind of stuff. But he regressed last year. The year he won the Heisman, he threw for 4,500 yards, 42 touchdowns, and ran for 10 touchdowns. So when Cliff Kingsbury got there, I'm not saying it was 100% his fault, but he also regressed last year while Cliff Kingsbury was his quarterback's coach. And this might just be a fact-finding mission where you bring him in, talk to him about Caleb Williams, Talked to him about what he would do with Caleb Williams in the offense he would run here with the Chicago Bears. Probably talked to him about what kind of offense he would run with Justin Fields because I don't think that you're just going to tell offensive coordinators what you're going to do, right? Like, you're not just going to bring in Shane Waldron and be like, all right, Shane, we're trading Fields, we're bringing in Caleb Williams, what would you do? You can pose that question, and then you probably follow it up with, all right, we're trading the first pick, we're keeping uh, Justin Fields, what are you doing? And I feel like that's how Ryan Poles laid it out. If you go back to his end-of-season press conference, he said he's going to be interviewing the offensive coordinators about the different quarterbacks that they could take. He's not going to tip his hand. What are you going to do for these four different types of quarterbacks? I want to hear that, and I think it's really important to see the versatility and the adaptability in their in their um, their teaching and the, the way they implement a plan, scheme, adjust 
um, I think it actually makes it pretty dynamic in terms of the interview process. So you've got your four different types of quarterbacks. He probably means Fields. Caleb is different than Caleb Williams, who is different from Drake May, who is different from Jaden Daniels, right? I don't think he meant specifically four different quarterbacks. He also said, if you remember, that finding an offensive coordinator, they need to find one that can adapt to their talent. You know, Justin Fields and Tyson Bajan were two different types of quarterbacks, and you need someone who can tailor their playbook to different types of quarterbacks if someone were to get hurt or if you're going to draft a quarterback or if you're going to keep Justin Fields, however that may go. Yeah, I got a lot of faith in the process that we're going to get kicked off in terms of finding the right fit. And we talked about it a little bit, but the ability to be uh, adaptable to the talent that you have is critical. I think Matt hit it and we saw it across the league. Um, there's some teams that actually got better with some a lot of changes. Um, if you don't have the ability to adapt and adjust to the talent that you have at that position, it makes it really hard. So that's going to be a part of our, our process. It was Ryan Poles at his end-of-season press conference where they retained Matt Eberflus and talked about the future of the team. I do want to say this. I think that this is a good job. The Bears' offensive coordinator job should be a highly sought-after job because, to me, it's win-win. To me, if you're going to come in here and let's say they trade the first overall pick and you add a wide receiver, whether it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze, whoever it is, and then you add, let's say, an offensive tackle. If not, you add a, an edge rusher. However it is, you're building this team up in the trenches. You're adding weapons and you have an opportunity to unleash Whatever Luke Getze couldn't get out of Justin Fields for two years. If Justin Fields takes that leap and the Bears, who are already a seven-win team, I mean, look at the names that I mentioned. Marcus Brady is the Eagles' senior offensive assistant. He's not even the offensive coordinator. He's not even the quarterback's coach. You've got Zach Robinson, who's a Rams passing game coordinator. Clint Kubiak, who's obviously got the famous last name and he's done a lot of things, but he's the 49ers passing game coordinator. If you unlock that potential from Justin Fields and he becomes an elite quarterback and we finally see, all right, fine, it was Luke Getze, it was getting a better line, it was doing this, it was doing whatever, then you're going to get jobs, offers, interviews to become a head coach. Same with the other. Look at what Bobby Slowick has done. For C.J. Stroud, if you end up trading Justin and taking a quarterback with the first overall pick and this team ends up going to the playoffs with the first-year uh, starter in whether it's Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake May, same thing is going to happen. You're going to get job offers. This is going to be a team that won seven games last year that if you upgrade the talent, if you upgrade the quarterback, however you look at it, whichever side you're on, This is going to be a playoff contending team. I think this team is going to not only contend, but the goal should be to make the playoffs. The total last year was seven and a half for wins for the Chicago Bears. If they come in and you add a bunch of talent, they've got one of the most amounts of cap space in the NFL, and you add talent that way too, and you add talent through the draft, if you have two first-round picks, which they do, and if they trade back, they'll still have two first-round picks. Hopefully they recoup a second-round pick somehow whether it's for Justin or because you're trading back, and you add day one talent, and you add talent that's going to make an impact in the first, second, and third round that's going to make impact for you on this team from day one, 
this damn well better be a playoff team. If you retained Matt Eberflus and you think that you're going to take the jump from three games to seven games to then ten wins, that's a playoff team. They should be a playoff team next year, no matter who the quarterback is. And today on ESPN.com, Bill Barnwell wrote, which NFL teams will QBs on rookie deals could win a Super Bowl? And he went through a bunch of teams, you know, obviously teams where the quarterback hasn't worked out, like the Patriots and the Steelers, who said today that they're going to bring in a quarterback to compete uh, next year. So you've got the the, Pan, the Colts and what they're going to do maybe. I mean, they're probably going to stick with Anthony Richardson. What are, the, what are the commanders going to do? The Titans, what are they going to do? Then he gets to the top six teams that have a chance at making a Super Bowl while their quarterback is on a rookie deal. And if you remember, Justin Fields, you still haven't picked up the fifth-year option. You've got two years left on his rookie deal. Or you draft a quarterback, you restart the clock, and then you get to have that rookie deal last even longer. And the number one team is obviously the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy is still on his rookie deal. They have a very good chance of not only going to, but winning the Super Bowl. Number two, sorry Bears fans, it's the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers right now are the number two team that he believes, because obviously, like you could say, the Ravens, but Lamar Jackson's not on his rookie deal, all that kind of stuff, right? These are just teams with quarterbacks on a rookie deal. Number three, the Houston Texans. We saw C.J. Stroud take this team to the playoffs this year. They're playing uh, this weekend on Saturday against the Ravens, and their expectation is going to be to make the playoffs and probably go even further next year. Number four, the Miami Dolphins, too, is still on his uh, rookie deal. Um, so the fifth-year option for 2024, or they're going to extend him, they have a, ch- a chance next year to make the Super Bowl. Number five, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence in the same quarterback class as Justin Fields. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are obviously thinking about moving on from Trevor Lawrence. He did have a down year this year through a lot of interceptions, but I don't think they're going to move on from him. And number six, the Chicago Bears. And this is what Bill Barnwell writes. If the Bears hit by drafting Caleb Williams at number one, add a left tackle, Number, and number nine, bringing an extra pass rushing help behind Montez Sweat and free agency or elsewhere in the draft. They should be in great shape to contend. Chicago ranked second in points allowed per drive over the second half of the season. So Eberflus appeared to have built a successful defense. Getting corner J, uh, cornerback Jalen Johnson to return would be seen mandatory, either on a franchise tag or on a long-term deal. Alternatively, surrounding fields with multiple first-rounders could work. He ranked 15th in QBR after returning from his thumb injury in Week 11, but the Bears could import another wide receiver, a left tackle, an offensive coordinator who could unlock the most out of Fields' ability to attack downfield as he just averaged 6.5 yards per attempt this season. Either path could lead to sudden improvement, and the most likely route to a title would be to improve the quarterback play. So he thinks they're going to you know, trade Justin and take Caleb Williams. So I'm asking you this at 312-332-3776 tonight. How far are the Bears away from playing in this weekend? How, when can we expect the Bears to play in the divisional round? Not just wild card. Wild card's fun. You get bounced. Not as fun, right? When can we expect them to be a winner in the playoffs? I think they're going to be a contender for the playoffs next year. I think this defense is good enough. I think you're going to add to this defense with another edge rusher, a three technique. I think you're going to add to the offensive line in a better center. You're going to add another weapon for whatever quarterback is here. You might improve the quarterback position as well, whether it's by adding an offensive coordinator that's going to get the most out of Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or whoever it is. 
But how long until we can say the Bears, we're, we're previewing on a Thursday night ahead of the divisional games on su- Saturday and Sunday that the Bears are playing this team. And we're talking about it and we're breaking it down. And we're not looking at mock drafts and we're not looking at offensive coordinator interviews. And we're not doing any of them. We're not looking for head coaches or complaining that they kept Eberflus for an extra year, whatever it is. How far away are the Bears from contending right now for a shot at, in the divisional round? I would say two years to me. I think that the Bears can get there in two years. I think next year they can contend or make the playoffs. There's a lot that you can't control about making the playoffs, obviously, but 10 wins, to me, is going to get you into the playoffs next year, whether it's you know as a wild card or winning the division. I think two years. You still have a rookie quarterback. You still have a way to, you know, if you draft a quarterback at one, I think within two years this team should be playing in the divisional round against whoever. Maybe they get, you know, beaten by the 49ers, whatever. But the fact is that they're there, right? The fact is that they won a playoff game. How far away are the Bears from winning a playoff game? I think with, I, with either, you know, if you choose to build around Justin Fields and add, because it's not like they're that far off. Everybody says rebuild the line, rebuild the line, rebuild the line. I hate to break it to you. They love Braxton Jones up there. Maybe if, if a tackle falls to them in the second round, if they get a second round pick, maybe. But ask Tom Thayer, who was just on Bears Weekly. You need this line to play competitively together for a while. Nate Davis didn't, didn't play in the entire preseason. He missed the first two games of the season. He was hurt during the regular season. Give him a full camp with the team, playing together as a unit. You are obviously going to upgrade center. But I'm pretty sure that the rest of this line is kind of set. That you're going to battle with this offensive line as is, except for adding a center and then maybe some depth pieces later on. I think they'll also draft a uh, wide receiver in the first round. I think you're looking at Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, right there. Should they take Caleb Williams or a quarterback first? And then you've got DJ Moore, you've got Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors right there, and you're helping your quarterback right away by having two number one wide receivers right away having a better center, having a line that plays together, hopefully everybody stays healthy, and going from there. I think that's their best path towards the playoffs. Adding to the defense as well. I don't think Yannick Ngakwe is going to sign here again. He got hurt, so maybe he signs another one-year deal and tries to prove that he can stay healthy and then go somewhere and size another extension somewhere else. But he's also proven that he doesn't stay on teams for very long. So you can draft an edge rusher early, too, if you recoup that second-round pick, maybe in the first round, too. If you choose to keep Justin and trade back, you can draft a wide receiver and edge rusher. You can also pay one. Josh Allen's a free agent, not the quarterback, the edge rusher. You can pay him if you want to. You can add a three technique. You can do whatever you want to. You can add all these positions in the draft and make yourself a contender starting next year. And then in 2025, we're saying, all right, We're previewing the Bears and whoever after they just come off that playoff win. So I think it takes two years. I might be crazy. I was very high on this team going into this year. They got close. They got to seven wins. I said eight or nine. They got to seven. I was very close. And they were in the hunt up until the very last week. It didn't matter. But up until that very last week, they were in the hunt. 
And so I think they can compete in two, in two years for a divi- in a divisional game. And who knows? They might get waxed by the uh, 49ers in that game. Who knows? But at least we're talking about a team that has won a playoff game. So 312-332-3776. Mike's in Aurora. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? All right. So I, I like Justin Fields, but is there any way, possibility, the Bears could trade him and still get Justin Fields and Marvin Harrison Jr. in some sort of package with somebody, move up, find a way? Is that you think that could be a possibility anywhere? To get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr.? No, <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Well, okay. No. no he, okay, so here's the only way it happens. The only way it happens is... If Caleb Williams goes into these interviews with teams and completely bombs, right? So play this out with me. He goes into these interviews, completely bombs. Everybody thinks he's a diva. Everybody doesn't like the stuff that's, you know, going on around him and all that and the crying and all that kind of whatever it is. He's a diva. They find out. So someone trades up for Drake May and then you move back to three. Whoever trades up takes Drake May. Whoever picks second picks Jaden Daniels. And then Caleb Williams falls to you at three. Or you go with Marvin Harrison Jr. at three, and Caleb just has this precipitous fall, and they keep going, and then somehow you get him at nine. But I don't think it's anywhere in the realm of possibility that that happens, Mike. Okay. All right. Thanks for the phone call, man. Appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. Let's go to Phil's in Plainfield. What's up, Phil? Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Excellent, excellent. Now, I know that you put the Bears on um, a personal two-year plan, and hopefully that comes to fruition. But keep in mind that um, hey, that black and blue division, they, they're a little bit better um, right now than they were at the start of the year. You know, Green Bay is looking like world beaters. Um, Detroit is still in the hunt in the playoffs, and they're moving forward. And uh, Minnesota just missed the playoffs. So it's, it, the, the division is not exactly up for grabs. It's just that much better. Um, than it was at the start of the year. So um, hopefully the Bears draft good, um, sign a good free agent or two. I still um, believe in building up that offensive line. But um, once again, there's competition within the division that we didn't know existed 10 months ago. That's it. No, of course there is. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. But, I mean, if you look at the division, the Lions won 12 games. Are they going to win 12 games again? Maybe. Maybe not. The Packers won nine games. The Vikings only won seven games, just like the Bears. I feel like the better the division gets, if the Bears get better, then maybe they don't get swept by the Packers. Maybe they split with the Packers. You know, they split with the Vikings. They split with the Lions. So it's not like they didn't win any divisional games this year. I mean, the, you had a division here where the, the bottom teams, two teams, were 7-10. and 10. It's not the South where the bottom team was 2-15 and 15 or... The West, where the Cardinals were four and thirteen, the East, where the the Commanders were four and thirteen, the Giants were six and eleven. Like, yeah, it's a good division, and that's fine. And you know, two teams can make it from the for the wild. Another team can make it for the wild card. Two teams can make it for the wild card if that's how it is. Three one two three three two three seven seven six to talk Bears with me here on ESPN Chicago. It is the divisional round here, and every Thursday around seven fifteen. We preview it all and get you the best picks from the Fat Jack. Money talk. Here comes the money. Ready to fatten up your winnings? You got something to eat up in there? We home. Money, 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 money. For the 
best football picks, give Jack a call at 800-298-1383 or FatJackSports.com. Fat Jack feeds you his picks now. Get in my belly! On Black and Abdallah. Here comes the money. That's right. It's time for the Fat Jack. Head to FatJackSports.com. Dial 1-800-298-1383. And we talk to Fat Jack right now. Jack, how was last week? Yeah, just go to FatJackSports.com, and that's the easiest way. And if you want to win, it's the place to go. I mean, I'll tell you, we we had another great weekend. It was 12-3 and three, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. 12-3 and three in football and basketball combined. Includes a 7-1 and one weekend in uh, basketball. Everything won. UFC scratched out a tiny, teensiest little bit of profit. But still, <laughs> overall, really, really good weekend. Uh, they said, well, we're not going to win every single day. Everything's posted there, right? So you go to the results tab. You'll see yesterday we went uh, 0-2 in basketball. And I feel like it's important to say that because we don't have many losing days. But when we do, I'm going to say it because I tell the truth. We're transparent. The good news is we were 4-1 and this week before yesterday. So still 4-3 and on the weekend hoops. They said 12-3 and over the weekend. Big weekend coming with these divisional games as well. Probably five different plays, maybe six. Uh, going overall, and, and you look at the results from last year, we dominate the playoffs typically, and this year has been no difference. Also, player props, all those are posted and uh, documented there as well. You'll see that we made money last weekend in those player props also. So good time to get signed up, good time to win. Absolutely, and if you were fortunate enough to be listening to us back in the summer before the football season started, Jack, once again, for the third year in a row, gave out a team that is one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl. I got it at 18-1 to 1 back in August, Jack, and now it is time for the Ravens to take on the Texans. How are we attacking this? If someone was fortunate enough like us to bet the Ravens before the season started to win the Super Bowl, as we go through these weeks now that they're playing since they're coming off the bye, how would you attack these weeks with the Ravens? Yeah, so I got it at 30-1 to 1 in July, but Ooh. I have I have. Ten five hundred dollar tickets, and they are anywhere between, as you said, eight sixteen. I got a sixteen to one, all the way to one. But the, how I attack it's still the same. You have two different options. You can play the money line, which is cheaper, so it's the more uh, conservative way to do it. You play a hundred dollars to win three hundred and twenty dollars or so, and play Houston on the money line. And, and, and make no mistake about it. Just because I gave that in August does not think it's a slam dunk by any stretch that Baltimore even makes the game. In fact, if you're looking at underdog situations, uh, the Baltimore does not do well as a touchdown or more favorite. Certainly in the playoffs, they don't do well as favorite. So this game could very well be close. Also, you have that fact that uh, Baltimore hasn't played not only in the two weeks since the bye, but they didn't really play anybody in Week 18. So you could see them struggling a little bit, and certainly wouldn't be the end of the world if they lost. So you probably do want to hedge it if you have one of those tickets. I'm going to get a little bit greedy. It takes a little bit more down the road to do this, but I'm going to bet double what I have into it on with uh, Houston plus the point. So what I'm basically doing is I'm saying, all right, a nine and a half point. Uh, a nine-point win or less by Baltimore, I win both, all right? The danger of that is if Baltimore goes, if if Houston wins straight up, I double my money on what I originally put out in August because I bet double on on the uh, Houston plus the points. But if if Baltimore goes and wins by three touchdowns, the danger becomes this next week, I have to play 3X my bet to break even 
on that. So you're looking at 4X to make one unit worth of profit next week. But I like that chance of Baltimore winning but not covering, which allows me to win the, the Houston bet but also keep that Baltimore futures ticket alive. So that's the way I'm going to do it. But you can pick one of those two, either play Houston on the money line for the, the amount that you have bet in um, on your futures ticket, and you'll make three times the money or two times the money plus, or you can take the points and try to get a little bit green. This is also the lowest total of the day or of the, the four games here at 43 and a half. Anything with these uh, low totals here with maybe Baltimore coming out a little rusty, like you said, a lot of guys didn't play in that last week, so they really have had two weeks off here. Um, should we be looking at this total at all? Yeah, and the personality of this game says it's probably going under as well. Houston, six of the last seven in the series when they played at Baltimore have gone under the total. Five of the last six overall have gone under the total. Um, and so you, you're good, and you have two teams that – Baltimore understands that really the only way they should lose this game is if they get extra possession. We saw that last week, and that's been the real challenge with handicapping this weekend. As you look at teams like Houston, you look at teams like Green Bay, uh, those two for sure, even Kansas City to a point where their opponents did so many things wrong that uh, there's a lot of teams with players in Cabo right now hanging out with your buddy that basically would have won last week had they been playing a team that gave them two turnovers, including pick sixes, scooping scores, which is exactly what Cleveland did, exactly what the Cowboys did. So why are they – because of how their opponent, how bad they played, or are they actually ready to take that next step? I think Houston understands they can't turn the ball. Baltimore understands they can't turn the ball over. If they stay ahead of the chains, looks like they're going to get Andrews back at least a little bit. This is They have the better team. So I think – and they're not interested in scoring a ton of points. They're just interested in scoring more points than you are. Uh, Harbaugh's not been good in the playoffs. Baltimore one and five against the spread um, the last six home playoff games. And they're eight and 17 against the spread – as a home favorite. So they generally don't speaking, don't score a bunch of points. Also um, seven and Oh, to the under, uh, excuse me, 22 and nine of Baltimore is straight up as a favorite. So uh, excuse me, 22 of the last 31 have gone under when Baltimore has been a favorite. So you're looking at game, this game to probably go under Baltimore to win a close one. That's where they feel the most comfortable. So yeah, I think under the total is certainly the best play. All right. A good buddy of mine is a Packers fan, and we were texting back and forth during that game. And every time the Packers would score, he would text us and be like, take whatever you can with the 49ers. They're going to get crushed. And sure enough, the line came out after the game, and the 49ers are a nine and a half point uh, favorite against the team that beat the absolute crap out of the, the Cowboys last week. Uh, are people, a lot of money is coming in on the Packers, but is that just people going with recency bias? It certainly is. And you look at the Packers, I mean, if Prescott had not felt like he was playing for Green Bay for the first half of that game, <laughs> do they do they win going away? I mean, he literally was throwing it to the Green Bay receivers. Gave up a pick six, another interception that was a great play by the DB, but basically too many turnovers and deer in the headlights out of half of your team and your head coach leads to a loss when you get in the playoffs. San Francisco, a lot like what we just talked about Baltimore, not just sitting out since the bye, since the bye week, but they didn't play anybody in Week 18. Um, Brock Purdy, one of the only quarterbacks in the league who has, as a rookie, turned around and won multiple playoff games. And so uh, they are equipped to win. And I do worry about Jordan Love and company uh, being able to – they're going to end up in that what now factor. I mean, if San Francisco does what they generally do, which is shut you down offensively, and they end up scoring, and you get a predictable down in distances, that's where Jordan Love – Jordan Love needs to live where he was living last week. With the lead – 
in a close game. You can run some play action, keep them off balance. But when you get behind, that's why the number's so high. This game gets eight, it probably gets 15, uh, that type of thing. San Francisco, number three in scoring offense, 29 points a game, and they're number three in scoring defense, only giving up 17 points. Not a good combination for a super, super young Packers team that I think got absolutely the worst version of the Dallas Cowboys. See, I go ahead and lay the big number and play San Francisco here. All right. Moving on to Sunday here, the Bucks and the Lions. I can't believe the Bucks are a game away from going to the NFC Championship game. This was a team, and it's bad on me, Jack, but in the beginning of the season, I was like, this team is going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. This team is is selling off pieces. They've got Baker Mayfield, or what's left of Baker Mayfield. Like, I was completely wrong about the Bucs uh, at the beginning of the season. Well, they certainly have finished strong. We have a team like this. Cincinnati comes to mind. But we have a team like this every year that's getting hot at the right time. Now, I will tell you, what they did against Philadelphia – on Philadelphia's team had done the, the bench press max right before they went out and their arms didn't work properly. They look like <laughs> they blow up things in the car dealership when they're trying to tackle people. They couldn't tackle anybody. So if you're going to play a team like that that can't tackle you and from attrition and injuries is hurt and not able to score the football, and by the way, they, they, they didn't even convert the tush-push. So Philadelphia was not in the right spot to be able to compete against a lot of teams. And we'll look up this weekend, and we're going to find one, maybe two of these teams between Kansas City, Houston, and Tampa Bay. One of these teams, we're going to look at Green Bay, and we're going to look up and say, you know what, that was a lot more about what Dallas didn't do or what Philly didn't do than it was about who they are. I don't think it's this game. The Rams outgained out Detroit by over 150 yards. Vegas is inviting you to play Detroit at home minus the six and a half. They're not moving it off that number. Tampa eight and one against the spread. They're last night on the road. They've been much better on the road they have at home. I do think this will be also be a pretty conservative game plan. Baker Mayfield, who by the way had great parents, who told him he was great even when he wasn't great. Probably I had similar parents. My mom was similar. It didn't matter what I did. She said I was great. Baker Mayfield believes he's literally the honey badger. He cannot be put in a situation he doesn't think he can thrive in and does not care. But he reminds me of Russell Westbrook. When things are going well, he's awesome and everybody loves him. When he's not, you're like get that dude on the bench. I think that the coaching staff of Tampa understands that. They're going to be a little more conservative. Uh, D- Detroit has been giving up points not only at home, but overall they're four of the last five on, on home have gone over. Uh, give me Tampa plus the points here. I'm not sure they get the win, but I do think they get the cover. Uh, before we move on to the last matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills on Sunday night, um, I want to ask you about the potential NFC Championship game. Let's say the 49ers take care of business against the Packers, and it's either the Bucks or the Lions. Should you? Is there a side you should jump on early to get ahead of you know the casual better as soon as that line comes out on uh, Sunday afternoon? Yeah, Shanahan has been really good in first-round playoff games, both straight up and against the spread. 3-0 straight up, 3-0 against the spread. But in the next round, he doesn't cover as much. So I do think they'll have their way against whoever they play in the last round. But I don't know that they're going to cover. So And it'll be similar to what we're getting against Green Bay, no matter who wins. Even if it's a close game, I still think San Fran opens as an 8-point or 8.5-point favorite. Generally speaking, there's some value in the underdog there for a bunch of reasons. I don't love the idea of, you know, like with Jordan Love, if they get down to 80, it'd certainly be 15. But if you get Detroit in the game, they've proven, especially with Jared Goff, they will score in chunks quickly. So if they're down double digits, the back door is still left open. I don't think you're going to get a lot of value. Uh, you should wait as you answer your question if you like the underdog. San Francisco is going to open that a number and immediately bet up. 
no matter who, which of these teams, certainly if it's Tampa, but even if it's Detroit, so I would wait. If you like San Fran, you want to get that number early because that money will come piling in if things go like they should on the 49ers. All right, in our final game of the NFL Divisional Round, the Chiefs and the Bills. We saw what the Chiefs did. The Bills had their game moved. They still were able to beat the Steelers, but that wasn't even, I mean, they were going to beat the Steelers regardless of whether that game was played on Tuesday, Thursday, or Wednesday. It didn't really matter. They were going to beat the Steelers. They are a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Uh, there's a bunch of injuries for the Bills on defense, but that's obviously baked in, like you've told us many times on these lines. And uh, you're getting Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. I, I'm very torn on this game yeah 13 players on the ir for buffalo i mean that is a lot that's five defensive starters and a bunch of important players kansas city 15 5 and 1 as an underdog you do not want to generally speaking play against andy Reid and against um uh, the uh kansas city as a dog uh patrick mahomes 8 1 and 1 against the spread as a dog 7 and 3 straight up as a dog uh, they generally speaking get it done. I've seen some threes out here in Vegas, and I think you're going to see a few more. Um, I actually like Kansas City here. I, I do don't like them on the money line. I think they're similar to that Detroit uh, Rams game. I could see a very evenly matched, lower scoring game. The money's been, I've made so much money this year on betting under in the Kansas City games, and frankly under in the Buffalo games as well. Both of these teams for different reasons. One of them uh, they can't score because they don't have any weapons. Kansas City has one weapon and nobody else. And Buffalo cannot revert back to the Buffalo Bills of September. So you've got two different uh, teams wanting to be a little conservative game plan-wise for different reasons. So I like under the total in this one. Uh, Kansas City leads the league in unders, 13-5 and five to the under this year. Buffalo not far behind. Give me under the total in that one and the Chiefs plus the point. Should be a great weekend of NFL football. If people go to FatJackSports.com, FatJack, what are they getting? Yeah, you can guess which of these are actually selections and which you should be betting your money on, or you can just play all the free plays and hope for the best. If you want to make money, stop guessing. Stop just listening to free plays. You don't go to Costco to eat dinner on the free samples, so stop doing that with, with your sports betting money. Money spends exactly the same, whether you win it in football or you win it in basketball. Um, we Again, 7-1 and one against the spread last week in basketball. Everything won and everybody won. 12-3 and three overall over the weekend. We're going to have another big week. We also have player profits that are coming out this weekend. Again, those made a bunch of money last week. Go to FatJackSports.com. Get everything through Monday, 169 bucks. Come on, guys. 169 Or through the Super Bowl, it's about 120 bucks a week to make money betting the games of football and basketball at FatJackSports.com. Jack, one more thing. I don't know if you saw this today, but Cliff Kingsbury is going to interview with the Bears uh, for their offensive coordinator job. And this pushed Caleb Williams as the first overall pick to minus 1,200. And the field is plus 700. Have you heard of have you heard of anything as crazy as this before as a player being minus 1,200 to go first overall four months before the draft? Yeah, I think there's some value on the field for sure, especially since nothing's been decided yet. Um, I, I can see them taking him and 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 dealing away uh, fields, but I also think when you're you're looking at knee-jerk reaction in this climate of sports gambling, you can make money betting on the overreaction, knee-jerk decisions that the gamblers are making, trying to get out in front of those numbers. We see it every year leading up to the draft when you'll have first, second, third, fourth, fifth players that you'll be able to get 12, 15 to one a week or so before that end up faulting up the draft or going the other direction. So I would play the field there. Kingsbury certainly has a possibility of taking it. If he does, it makes a lot of sense. 
but you got a lot of things that have to fall right for that to still occur. And, jo- and uh, Fields has, has done enough late in the year to leak to make it a conversation. All right, head to FatJackSports.com to get all of the picks there. Follow Jack on Twitter, at FatJackSports. Jack, have a good weekend. We appreciate it. Good luck. All right, brother. I'll get him. See you soon. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago, you missed Fat Jack. Head to the ESPN Chicago app, get it wherever your apps are sold. And while you're there, check out the unnamed MMA podcast with myself and Jordan Sherwood. We're previewing UFC 297 taking place this weekend. Should be a great pay-per-view event, so make sure you check out that podcast and all your other favorite ESPN Chicago podcasts and shows right there on the ESPN Chicago app. Normally... This is where we take football very seriously. But unfortunately, we don't talk to Chauncey this week because there's no animal matchups. There's no, uh, there's no matchups left in the playoffs where two animals will play each other. I believe unless the Lions face the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I think that's the only possible way. So as of right now, unless the Lions and the Ravens both make the Super Bowl, Chauncey will finish the season. He won last week. He had the Lions. He'll finish the season 31-17. and 17. That is good for 64.5% winners right there. So congrats to Chauncey on uh, a great year. And maybe if the Lions... I don't know what this place would do if the Lions made the Super Bowl or the Packers. What if we got Ravens Bills? Would that count? No, because a Bill is not their just because their mascot like okay. is a Buffalo. We've had this discussion many times. Uh, the Bills don't count. Neither do the Texans, even though their logo is a bull. I think. So I what is a, what, what's a Bill then? A Bill. We've looked this up before. Uh, hold on, hold on. What's what a Texan? Uh, I mean, it's someone from Texas. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Uh, the Buffalo Bills as uh, a logo mascot, but the team name comes from Buffalo Bill Cody. All right. There you go. A sure. bison right. hunter, an American soldier, bison hunter, and showman. A jack of all trades, well, sounds if like you will. you. Yeah. Yeah. Me. An American soldier, bison hunter, and showman. I'm one of those three things. I guess I'm a showman. I guess, because I'm talking into a microphone. So, instead of... Talking to Chauncey about animal matchups. Let's get some zoo news. Well, hello, Mr. Lion. Here's the latest edition of the Zoo News. That's right. Chris is off Zoo News every night. We head to the UK in the Colchester Zoo, where a rainbow-colored bird escaped the zoo in the most obvious way possible. The UK's Colchester Zoo is trying to bring home a little sneaky animal, escapee, a rainbow lorikeet. The brightly colored bird made its daring getaway last weekend by hitching a ride on a visitor as they were leaving its enclosure. You know how zoos have this, those like birdhouses that you can walk into and there's just like a thousand birds? This bird latched itself, landed on a person, and just left with the person. <laughs> just left 
as the person was leaving. This particular rainbow lorikeet pulled off the escape last Saturday. The Colchester Zoo has a walk-in enclosure where members of the public can interact with and even feed birds. Uh, just like the rainbow lorikeet with a little cup of nectar. At some point, the bird landed on a visitor just as they were exiting the area. The visitor reportedly called for a zookeeper to get the bird off. Phrasing. But the parrot, uh, the parrot fled before help arrived. The staff then chased after it as it flew from tree to tree. At one point, they even managed to get close enough to the bird using ladders to try to coax it down. But the feathery fugitive eluded them and eventually left the zoo entirely, which we know... We report on the news, guys, but animals, they don't like being in the zoos. Let us out, let us out, let us out, let us out. The zoo is overloaded. So if you're in the uh, Colchester area and you see a rainbow lorikeet, uh, the zoo would like it back. Post haste, I think is what they say over there. It's a beautiful animal. It is, isn't it? It's like a little, it's a little parrot. It's a little tiny parrot, a little baby parrot. That's what it is. That's zoo news. That's what is new at the zoo. Let's go to Adams on the south side. What's up, Adam? Hey, uh, am I am I good? Or I need to come off speaker. No, I can hear you. You're fine. Hey, good evening. Happy New Year. Got a couple of points I'd like. Hold to on, make Adam. Hold on. Hold on. It's January 18th. That's the latest Happy New Year I think I've ever gotten. Well, I've never spoken to you at all, so that's the well, that's first fair. one you got for me. I guess, yeah, I guess that's true. We haven't spoken yet this new year, and you're a fellow Adam. So, happy new year, Adam. Yeah. Shokrin. All right, so uh, <laughs> I, I got a couple of points I want to make. Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about it from this point of view. I've heard them talk about these subjects, but not from this vantage point. And I try to be brief. Probability. If we make our Frankenstein monster right now, by adding as much to this team as we can, the probability of success is much higher by adding multiple players than it is to add one and expecting him to change all rise all tides. That probability is much higher. That's that's even just a math fact. Uh, number two, if we reinvest this first round pick, which is what uh, Poles is doing, he's been investing it. If we reinvest it like a stock investment as opposed to cashing it in right now again the probability of success is much higher so if you reinvest that pick into fields we've talked about before uh one of the biggest advent uh advantages is resetting the quarterback salary cap to five years as opposed to justin fields only two years but that math could actually be wrong because the quarterbacks for the most part what take up 20 25 percent of the cap as one player but if you reinvest that pick and keep cascading that first-round pick like Ryan Poles has already started to do, and you keep cascading that into a multiple pick, what you then have the opportunity to do with that math is you keep multiplying the number of rookie contracts, bringing in competition, and resetting multiple positions for the purposes of keeping that one position. Again, that increases your, risk, your chances of success. And then the last thing is this. We keep saying this one thing. If you're still asking the question about fields, you have your answer. I agree with that, but actually to the contrary way we've been thinking about it. One thing we absolutely know in Chicago is we are subject matter experts on trashy quarterback play. So if our expertise, even those that you consider in fields, camp, those what have you, what I think I would call us Bears fans, we are 
experts in trashy quarterback play. So if they're taking or we're taking this harsh stance on trying to keep this kid here, yes, we have our answer because we're saying we know trashy quarterback play, and that kid is not a trash quarterback. He has something we have never, ever seen. And I'm a lot older than you, Adam. We have something I have never seen in any quarterback that has walked on and put the C on their helmet. So thanks. I'll take your responses to those those points off. Appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Have a good night. Thanks for the call. I, I do think that, you know, the, the quarterback taking up 20% of the cap space, like that's fine. But if you reset the quarterback, then it's not going to take up 20% of the cap space, right? Like, yes, you can reinvest in other positions, but you're going to have to pay dudes. Like, Jalen Johnson needs a new contract. I think he's earned one. Um, I think that if you... And listen, Caleb could come here and throw for 4,000 yards. That's something we've never seen. We've never seen that here in Chicago before. He could throw for 3,800. Haven't seen that. So, like... Yes, I agree with with some of Adam's points that, yes, I could see a world where trading the pick back, getting the haul, all that kind of stuff. I think that if Justin had performed better down the stretch of the season, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If he had played well in the last few games of the season, we wouldn't be doing this and we wouldn't be tied. Also, there's this quarterback draft is not like the others. It's not like last year's. It's not like the year before. It's not like next year's. I don't know what two years is going to look like. This is the best quarterback class in almost a decade, if not more. So you have to look at all angles. We'll take more of your Bears calls coming up next. Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Thank you to Sean Grady and Kevin Zipak for producing tonight's show. We'll be back tomorrow night for All Calls Welcome Friday night, brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka. It's going to be awesome. You know what the deal is. Call me about anything. It's going to be fun. Tyler will be here in for Chris Black as he will have the night off. Did you see this? Did you guys hear this? Did you see this? Kevin brought this to my attention. Applebee's is launching one year of weekly date night passes for $200. So what you can do is you can go to your local Applebee's. I'm sure it'll go online. And you can get a date night pass that for $200. And this gives you up to $30 in food per week for a year. The passes go on sale Monday, January 22nd. There's a limited number, obviously. The date night pass, which will have a value up to $1,500, gives pass holders up to a $30 discount on food and non-alcoholic drinks 52 times between February 1st and January 31st of next year. The pass can only be used once for per 24-hour period. So I guess technically you could use this in 52 days and just be done with it, right? Like you could use this every day, once a day for 52 days, or you could go out for a date night, which is what they're hoping you do, once a week for a year. I mean... 
I don't think that if I had a pass like this, I would necessarily be doing this at an Applebee's. I don't mind Applebee's. I think it's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. No, I don't like when people try to act like they're like above chain, chain restaurants. restaurants. Absolutely not. No, they're I all, am not they're all above fine. It. They're solid. I love a chain restaurant. I Get am me? not above it. Bloomin' Onion? Let's oh go. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I would, but like Chili's is my favorite. So I'm if this was available at Chili's, I'm no in. No brainer if it was Chili's. I'm in, yeah. right? For sure. For sure. TGI Fridays is probably... Second? That's Olive Garden. Same tier as like an Olive Applebee's. Olive Garden is fine. No, That's got to be top five. Yeah, no. I'm I would not. say Outback number two for me. I See, I've never been. I've not, not that I've never been. I haven't frequented enough Outback Steakhouses. I used to go to the Chili's that was down here in the city. Yeah, all I the remember time. it. All I, the I miss time. it. We got wasted there before our college graduation. Like, we went in for the, the lunch $3 margaritas and got absolutely trashed before Chris and I graduated from Columbia. It was great. I don't remember that graduation at all. I don't know who spoke. I know my parents were there, and that's about it. Well, it's a very boring day anyway. It's yeah. like it's like a special commemorative thing, but that's more for like your family, your exactly. friends that it's are there. College. It's like, boring for, yeah. for the uh, graduator. Congratulations. I'm going to be in debt for a whole bunch of years. Like That's all it is, right? So might as well be wasted while I'm getting a diploma. So I think then, uh, like, did you guys, have you ever been to a, like, a, remember BD's Mongolian Barbecue? It was like a, it was kind of like a flat top where you go yeah, right. and you put the stuff into a bowl and then they flat cook top, it for you. also great. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. do it for flat top, sure. I would definitely do it for flat top. Ruby Tuesdays, little throwback there on that I one. Been, there was a Ruby Tuesdays at Hawthorne Mall. They were always in the, in the mall, of yeah. Of course they were. Of course they were. I'm trying to see if we have any other uh, suggestions here in the Twitch chat. You can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN1000Chicago. I feel like Chili's is the, is the number one, for sure. But were you, like, are Road you House? really going on... Di- which one? Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse, okay, maybe. Definitely not a breakfast place. I'm not doing this at a Denny's. I'm not doing it at a Denny's. Ew. Sorry, IHOP, no. Sorry, IHOP, you're not getting a date pass. Sorry. I feel like going on 52 dates to uh, Applebee's is asking a lot of your partner, too. Be like, hey, we're going to go get trashed at an Applebee's. <laughs> is there even an Applebee's in the city? I think they're like all like 15 miles out. You yeah. got to go in the burbs. Uh, yeah, you got to go to like Oak Park You got to go in something. the burbs. All right. Well, enjoy that if you want to. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports.